All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark, and uh, we're going to be continuing our series verse by verse through the book of Mark, and uh, we're in chapter 4, verse 21. Chapter 4, verse 21. Good song, children and adults, and just a great time of fellowship. You know, I believe that uh, uh, we should appreciate one another, and I think we ought to give it and receive it, but you know, God gets the glory for it all. Because if it wasn't for the Lord, you wouldn't have anything to give. And that's what the, this, this passage of Scripture is about uh, tonight, about light and the parable of the candle. Uh, goes along with the, the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we're going to uh, just uh, be brief on this. We've only got four verses to cover, five. But uh, the parable of the candle talks about uh, the light. And, you know, in the Bible days, a light was a candle or maybe a kerosene lantern, um, and it was uh, put up high so people could see. It wasn't meant to be under the bed or under, or, or under a bushel, but it was a, a little light that lighted the whole house. And I can't imagine um, living uh, in a candle-lit house. I just can't imagine. I like a lot of lights. You can tell we, we, took, a, we took down 4,800 chandeliers around here and put in LED lights and um, I like a lot of light I believe that we ought to have uh, uh, more light and uh, I don't like darkness I'm not scared of it I just don't like it it's, it's kind of dampening to the spirit so we want to uh, uh, get right into these verses let's stay in all the word of God verses 21 through 25 and we do appreciate what happened this morning and we need to have the children's choir sing more often I'll tell you that because the children's choir uh, brings in more people than anything we could do. I, I've seen it over the years. I've studied this. Children bring in uh, their parents and grandparents when nobody else can bring them in, especially if they're doing something. How many of you ever been to, uh, there's a lot of people at other churches tonight because uh, their grandchild's in a Christmas play uh, or maybe uh, in a, a Christmas program. And that's great. Thank the Lord. So we need to really involve our children more. And what a good blessing it was this morning. Verse 21 through 25, it says, And he said to them, Is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed or not to be put on, set on a candlestick? For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested, neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Take heed. Uh, what ye hear, with what measure ye meet, ye shall be measured to you, and unto you that hears shall more be given. For he that hath, to him shall be given. And he that hath not, from him shall it be taken, even that which he hath. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the great singing. Thank you for the good songs. Uh, thank you for heavenly sunshine that was in this place. The warmth, the love uh, that we felt. I know a lot of people were kind of uh, set back and they were wondering what kind of church we had. But Lord, I think they found out that this is a loving church and a giving church. Lord, we need to more, be more like Mary than Martha. And Lord, there ought to be a lot of serving going around here, but it shouldn't be a duty and it shouldn't be mundane and it shouldn't be just uh, a matter of fact or we're going to get the job done, but it ought to be out of joy. It ought to be out of worship. It ought to be because we have the light, we're saved and 
God, we can share that. So, Lord, give us some warmth in our service. And God, help us to, like the song says, the, sweet, the, the longer we serve you, the sweeter it grows. God, give us a sweetness about our spirit and our disposition when it comes to serving God. May it be a light of warmth to a lost and damp and damaged and dark world. God, thank you that we can take the light of the glorious light of the gospel to these families and these homes. And we'll thank you and praise you for what you do in and through this message. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, a young boy was about nine and he went to his parents, uh, went with his parents to Europe for a summer. And part of their tour included visiting these great old cathedrals with these massive um, uh, portraits of the disciples and stained glass behind it. And he was very impressed as he stood in those empty halls looking through the beautiful stained glass windows. And upon returning to his church, he was asked by his Sunday school teacher about the great churches of Europe and what he liked most about it. And he thought for a moment, and he said, you know, I love the sense of the awesomeness and hugeness of, of, of who God must be. And then they asked him another question and said, and what is a saint? His teacher asked next, and his mind went back to those massive, beautiful stained glass windows. And he said, a saint is a person that the light shines through. And I want to tell you something, friend. A good Christian is a person that God's light shines through. Amen? Jesus is the light of the world. I could subtitle this message, Christmas Lights. Christmas Lights. You know, I like what I like about Christmas, there's lights everywhere. Amen? Until you find one that won't work and you have to... You have to go through every one of them trying to find. I think they're different now. But, um, you know, the fact is that, folks, it's not just lighting up a Santa Claus or lighting up a sled. We ought to have a light of the star of Bethlehem, yes, but there ought to be a light that reflects Christ's likeness in this Christmas spirit. I want to tell you something. A lot of people lose the Christmas spirit. Some don't ever get it. But a lot of people lose the Christmas spirit as quick as they lose the tree that goes out the door. It wilts, amen, especially if they don't get what they want, amen. So it's not about getting, it's about giving. And I want to tell you something, a lot of people came to me after and said, you know, this is good, and this is, this is wonderful. And, and it was people that were serving and, and, uh, and staying long hours after church uh, doing something for some precious little children. Uh, one little boy uh, came up to me, and he was about in tears, and he said, uh, Brother Wayne, uh, my parents said they had something else to do today. And you could tell he was just crushed. And then the other children were jumping around excited because their parents had come to the house of God. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. It's a dark and dismal world out there unless somebody knocks on their door and brings the light, love, and warmth and, and, and joy of Christmas. And not just Christmas, but Christness, uh, thank the Lord, folks. First of all, light has a purpose. Look at verse twenty-one. We got a purpose. And that's to shine. Uh, we ought to shine with the reflection of God's glory, but also the reflection of God's love and warmth. You ever met a warm person? I've met some cold people. I mean, some people can't. Some people can't help it. They're just cold. They don't, they don't like to meet people. They don't like to fellowship. They don't like to shake hands. They don't like nothing to do with people. What you ought to be is an accountant and just push numbers around all your life 
and stay in a closet. Amen. You'd be happy then. But I want to tell you something, folks. It's all about people. It's all about souls. It's all about motivating each other and loving each other and encouraging each other. And it's light. It's love. It's the Lord. Look in verse 21. And he said to them, It is a candle bought to be put under a bushel or under a bed, nor to be set on a or not to, be, uh, not to be set up on a candlestick? What a question. Folks, Jesus taught his disciples uh, using this parable, and he uh, teaches uh, in the Sermon on the Mount about us being the salt and the light. The salt and the light. I'll get to that in just a minute. But it's a common image of that day. It was a profound spiritual truth next to this parable. Is that, folks, you do not put a candle low in the house, under the bed, or under a basket. You put it as high as you can, and in each house they had hooks and they had uh, uh, ledges where they put those um, candles or uh, lanterns as high as they could, and it would light the house. And folks, I want to tell you something. God has placed us in a location where we need to shine and shine bright. And we don't need to lift ourselves up, and this false humiliation ain't going to get the job done. That's just pride. But I want to tell you something, folks. We're to lift Christ up. Amen. We're to lift Him up and we're to illustrate the purpose of spiritual light. And that is that He should be revealed. Folks, I want to tell you something. That little boy might have been disappointed because mom and daddy wasn't here. But I want to tell you something. He was not disappointed that he was here. And I could tell he had love and joy in his heart, warmth in his soul, and he appreciated it. Matter of fact, he asked me right at the end of the service, could you take a picture of me and you holding my toy? I said, sure, praise God. I checked the background, Miss Kaylee, and I said, yes, we'll do it. I guarantee we'll do it. And, I, and he had to pose again with that toy in his hand with his preacher because he was so appreciative, not of just the toy, but the love behind it. Uh, folks, listen, the Bible says in John chapter 9, verse 5, that he, he is the light of the world. And folks, we have a great... Um, uh, purpose and that's to reflect the light of God look at John chapter 1 verse 18 real quick John chapter 1 or real slow either one it don't matter John 1 18 uh, I love this verse because John 3 16 brings the light upon it in John chapter 3 uh, excuse me chapter 1 verse 18 the Bible says this it says no man has seen God at any time the only begotten son which is in, in the bosom of the Father, has declared Him. Folks, when they, they need to see Jesus. The Bible says in verse 14, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, and the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's light. Graciousness and truth. That's light. Folks, uh, the Bible says in the beginning was the Word, verse 1, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning was God. It's a Word to us. And him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth not. Folks, men love darkness rather than light. But we live in a dark world. And I want to tell you what the challenge of my soul is from this parable. We need to shine. And we need to go to places that are very dark. We need to go to places that are very depressing. And we need to be a light that's set up on a hilltop. We need to be a light that we walk circumspectly with the light of God's love. And folks, it's high time that we shine. 
it's high time that we realize that we're in the last days. And if we're going to defeat Satan, here's the, here's the tremendous gift of light that we have. But it's a tremendous weapon. Turn to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, verse 11 through 14. Romans chapter 13, uh, verse 11 through 14. The Bible says, And that knowing the time that is now high time to awake out of sleep. For some people just like to sleep, especially if they're depressed. We've been visiting a guy in jail, and all he does is sleep. And the reason he sleeps all the time is he's depressed, and he stays up all night. But folks, uh, and it says, And now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. And the night is far spent. Listen, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as, as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy. Listen to this. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. So folks, light has a purpose. Light has a purpose. It's, it's so obvious. That purpose is to shine. That purpose is to uh, invade the darkness and dispel the darkness and defeat the darkness. And folks, aggress- the best way to uh, defeat darkness is shine. Amen? Uh, Matthew 5, uh, 16 says that you ought to let your light so shine before men that all may see it, the works uh, in your life that you might glorify God. And then light has power. Look at verse 22 in Mark, real quick. Mark chapter 4, verse 22. It says, For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifest, neither anything that uh, thing kept secret, but that it should come abroad. Folks, light has power. The light of Jesus came to this world to display God's likeness. Grace and truth was displayed. No man seen God except when they saw Jesus. The gospel is a message of salvation, but it's also the message of confrontation. I want to tell you something, friend. This morning, the pressure was off me, usually on big days, and when people come for the only time for a long time, I get all pressurized. I get all uh, uptight about, boy, this might be the only chance. But studying the Word of God and preaching it in the last couple of days, I realize that, that, that we're not just to reap, we're to cultivate the soil. We're to plant. We're to soften. We're, we're to let the light of God reveal to them and to every lost sinner that they are lost and in darkness and headed to a dark place called hell. Now, folks, only the Holy Ghost light of conviction can do that. And, folks, we need to realize it's high time to wake up and to be like Christ and to glorify God and to deal with sin. And so, folks, your life, and your life can be a conviction to others. Now, folks, don't be an, an, an excuse. Be an example. An excuse is a blinking light. An excuse is a, is a light hid under a bushel. An excuse is a light that's not consistent and off and on and up and down. And, folks, listen, hard to predict where you're going to fall next or how high or how low you're going to be. There ought to be a stability about our life that there's a constant light. There's a light of love and a light of, of, um, of the presence of God in your life. And folks, to do that, we must deal with sin. And so the Bible says everything's manifest. And the first thing that ought to be manifest is that when you take the glorious light of the gospel 
that if you're lost, that you realize you're lost, and that you're in sin, that you're in the darkness of being away from God. But if you're saved, it ought to convict you of sin. You know, sin ought to be exceedingly sinful. When I read um, uh, about David and after his sin with Bathsheba, his adulterous affair, and then his murder, I think about how in the world did God use him after that. I'll tell you why. Uh, look at Psalms 38, verses 1 through 11. I've never noticed this chapter like I've noticed it today or yesterday when I was studying this. Psalms 38, look at it real closely. I want you to see the light. Are you listening? Verse 23, the light convicts us of sin. We need to be on the sound of God. You know why people don't want to come to church? Because they want to give up their sin. They want to be confronted by the gospel. I mean a real church. Uh, you can go party all the time. You can go to a dark church where, the, where all the light's on the stage. But folks, I want to tell you something. You need to go to a church that's very bright and lights your heart up and reveals to you and you discern how far away from God you really are and how you're on the edge of darkness. But look at Psalms 38 real quick. Verse 1. It says, O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me with thy hot displeasure. Now, folks, that's not some prayer prayer that I've sinned, but I'm going to do it again. He said, O Lord, chasten me not in thy hot displeasure. This is after his sin. David is, uh, is remembering his sin. He's being brought under rebuke. The light of God's word shining in his heart. Listen to this. For thy arrows stick fast in me, and thy hand presses me sore. You ever been pinned by the Lord? You ever been uh, caught under conviction? Look at verse 3. There is no soundness in my flesh because of my anger. Neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. Doesn't sound like just a little prayer. We have sinned. Y'all have sinned, saying, hey, I have sinned. Reminds me of Psalms 51, but look at verse 4. For mine iniquities are gone over my head. As a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. My wounds st stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. What a confession. I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning morning all the day long. All my loins are filled with a loathsome disease and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and sore broken. I have roared, my, I have roared by reason of disquietment of my, my heart. Lord, all my desire is before thee and my groaning is not hid from thee. My heart panteth. My strength faileth me. As for the light of mine eyes, it also is gone from me. My heart panteth, my strength faileth me. As for the light of my eyes, it is also gone from me. My lovers and my friends stand aloof from my sore, and my kinsmen stand afar off. There's no fellowship with God, and there's no fellowship with others. Folks, I want to tell you something. 
Only the glorious light of the gospel can bring you under conviction. The light of preaching. The light of another Christian that's living for God. That's what we ought to be. There's a purpose for the light, but there's power in light. It's the power of recognizing the darkness of our soul. I believe that America's lost its blush. I believe America's got too used to the darkness. I'm telling you, I never thought I'd live in a day where sin is exceedingly accepted and that Christians are the ones that are rejected. And folks, it seems like the movie stars are the ones that's trying to set our morals. We live in a wicked day. We live in a dark, dismal day. I'm glad there's some light in this place, and I'm glad there's some light in this heart, and I'm glad I'm enlightened by His Word. And folks, this is the key, verse 23, chapter 4. And if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Are you listening? And then I want you to know in closing, light has its privileges. Look at verse 24. And he said to them, Take heed what ye hear, with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you, and unto and to you that hear shall more be given. For he that hath to him shall be given, and he that hath not from him shall it be taken even that which he hath. Reminds me of the uh, ones that went out and, and got some talents from the Lord while the Lord was gone. And, and uh, some one talent and five talents and many talents. But the one that had one hit it and he lost that one. The one that had five got ten. The one that had uh, ten got twenty. And they invested their life. What an investment. What an investment it is to be a yielded vessel of God's light and God's love. This verse is rich in truth. It cautions us to listen to the right voices. The right voice will always speak words that line up with the Bible and appoint us to Jesus. We're to listen. We're to listen to what the Holy Ghost says about us, not what everybody else thinks about us. Folks, that's reputation. What we need is the character of God in our lives. Then we're counseled to pass on the truth. That's what I want to close with tonight. Folks, we're entrusted to give out the light. We're entrusted to serve and to be open and honest and, and overflowing. God never fills us to, be, to have a filling. We're given the great privilege of being called to proclaim the light. We're, we're, to com we're comforted by that, that promise. Did you learn anything in Sunday school this morning? Well, we'll, we'll give it away. Did you learn anything in church this morning? Did you learn anything by serving uh, this morning? Well, give it away. Let it flow. Uh, God didn't cause it, call us to be aquariums. God called us to be vessels, conduit from the upper pool. We're to flow with rivers of living water from our deepest part of our lives. We're to flow with the Spirit, John chapter 7. And so we need to be specializing in giving. That's the Christmas light, the light of love. God doesn't just pardon, He abundantly pardons. He doesn't just give mercy, He delighteth in mercy. Micah chapter 7 verse 18. He doesn't just save, He saves to the uttermost. God doesn't just save a sinner and forgive his sins. Folks, He adopts him into His family. He gives him peace and joy and hope and blessing and purpose. Absolute assurance and security. Why? Because He wants you to have more. 
He wants you to overflow with, according to His riches, He wants you to give. And so, folks, He loves more. He shows mercy more. He forgives more. And, folks, we have more hope, more blessings, and it's all because He wants us to be an entrusted steward of the light. The light. And, folks, the light has promises. As, more, as you give, God said He'll give to you. As you flow, He'll give more. And folks, you can't outgive God, but I've learned to give that He might give, that I might give more. And it's abundance. It's the grace of God flowing. You've got to learn this, is if you want light, you've got to push the button. You've got you to flip the switch. You've got to yield to the electricity, say amen. You've got to let it flow. And folks, God came into this world uh, with tremendous power, and His life invaded the darkness and his glory infiltrated and the grace and truth was made manifest and I want to tell you something friend that's how we ought to shine let me just close by saying this is that this lines up exactly with this with the sermon on the mount look at Matthew chapter 5 verse 14 we'll close with this the Bible says this that simple parable meant hey the more you give out light the more light you're going to have I want to tell you what the most miserable people in Christmas is, and it's the highest rate of suicide of any other of, of any uh, time of the year. Is people that are in it to get it, not and in it to win it. Amen. Not a minute to win it. They're in this life just to get more, and they can never get more. And they're totally dissatisfied with themselves and everybody else around them, and that's called depression. Somebody in the prayer room said they left their home with a person weeping in depression. Folks, that ought not be. That's sad. That's dark. That's dismal. That depresses me to think that somebody's sitting home weeping in depression. It's real, I know, but I want to tell you something, how to get out of depression. Walk in the light as he's in the light and have fellowship one with another because the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. Confess our sins. Get right with God. Die to self. You say, well, it's not that simple. Well, then come to church and let the warmth of God's love overcome you in a worship service. See, worship is very important. I want, see, I want you to see Matthew chapter 5, and just a couple of truths here. In verse 14, it says this. Well, verse 13 says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but the salt has lost its savor, flavor. Wherewith shall it be salted? It is hence good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. And so, folks, he compares us to two things here, salt and light. And, folks, he calls us salt, both salt and light. Look at verse 14. You're the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You're the best Christmas lights that anybody could put up, anybody could display. You're the best silhouette of Jesus Christ that these little kids will see today. It's the only hope they have is they get an appetite for this instead of that, for light instead of, instead of depression, light instead of darkness, light instead of sin. There must, we must show them a difference. That's why you serve out of duty or you just, you know, uh, do, do whatever you do to get it over with, folks. Salt, salt is a deterrent. Salt is, is what Jesus was saying that he was telling us that uh, uh, he left this world to influence people for the glory of God and that you are salt. And both salt, 
uh, is a miracle. You take the elements by themselves, it's poison. The salt's composed of chloride and sodium. Both of these are highly explosive elements. God combines them and makes a beautiful, stable, edible, valuable commodity. And in the Bible's days, it was very valuable, salt. And it deters decay. It preserves life. But folks, I want to tell you this. Thanks to Mr. Webster, uh, the salt is defined, I mean, light is defined as something that makes vision possible. You know, the only hope we have is that they'll see Jesus when we knock on their door. That they'll see Jesus when we are shoulder to lean on when they're so heartbroken. That they'll see Jesus when nobody else seems to care and you're there in the middle of the night or whenever they need you. It's the sensation aroused by stimulation of a visual receptor. It's electromagnetic radiation in the wavelengths range including infrared and visible and ultraviolet x-rays and traveling in a vacuum with a speed of about 186,281 miles per second. That's light. You know what I would say to that, Mr. Webster? I think light's a miracle. I think light's a miracle. It's not white, it's multifaceted colors that brings color to everything. And let me just say this, folks. Light conquers darkness. Light colors drabness. Let your light so shine. Light changes deadness. God uses light as a witness and a testimony of the glorious burst of light that came out of the tomb. The Lord Jesus Christ can make a difference, and it's a difference of life and death. Light conditions dreariness. Children of God should be like a warm ray of light. You ever been sort of depressed and it's dreary and the sun comes out? Amen. It's, just, it, it's, it's amazing how the gloom is dispelled. Now, How can we be light? Well, you can't be the light. You've got to be the vessel of it. Number one, you need to be clean. We need to be consistent. We walk in the light as he's in the light and have fellowship with one another. But then the next verse says we need to confess our sins. If we say to sin, we make God a liar. We need to be a Christ-like vessel. John 8, 12 says that um, he came to this world to, have, to be light, and he that follows him shall not walk in darkness. He changed people's lives totally. We're crucified with Christ, but we live. We're in a resurrected uh, being. Galatians 5.22 says we can have love and joy and peace and meekness and faith and temperance and long-suffering. Light. It, you know, and, and folks, if you have light, you like, you like Jesus. Number one, he was a sympathetic Savior. He came to this world because he cared. Folks, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You can give them all the facts you want to. You can teach and preach and try to straighten them out. But I want to tell you something, folks. Jesus came to this world to identify with our sinfulness and our weakness and our darkness. And the light walked right into it. And he understands how you feel. A little boy was watching a farmer and painting a sign. He was advertising pups. I got to go all the way to Val, uh, Augusta to pick up a puppy soon. It's a, it's a Christmas mission for somebody. 
Hope they're not watching this right now. And uh, uh, and he put this sign up. And suddenly he was he was selling these puppies, and he was driving the last nail in the post, and he felt a tug on his overalls. He looked down in the eyes of a little boy, and he said, "Mister," he said, "What?" He said, "I want you to I want to buy one of your puppies." And he says, "Well," said the farmer as he wiped the sweat off the back of his neck. These puppies come from a fine parents and cost a great deal of money. They're thoroughbred. The boy dropped his head for a moment, then reaching deep into his pocket, he pulled out a handful of change and he held it to the farmer. He says, I got 39 cents. Is that enough to take a look? Sure, said the farmer, and with that he, he let out a whistle and here, here comes Dolly, he called. And out from the doghouse ran Dolly, followed by four little balls of fur. And the little boy pressed his face against the chain-link fence. His eyes danced with delight. As the dogs made their way to the fence, the little boy noticed something else stirring in the doghouse. Slowly, another little old ball appeared, this one noticeably smaller. In somewhat awkward manner, the old little puppy began hobbling towards the others, doing his best to catch up. This was clear to the runt of the litter. I want that one, said the boy, pointing to the runt. The farmer knelt down at the boy's side and said, Son, you don't want that puppy. He will never be able to run and play with you like these other dogs would. And with, that little, with, with that, the little boy stepped back from the fence, reached down and began to roll up the leg of his trousers. In doing so, he revealed a steel brace running down both sides of his legs and attaching itself to a Pacific-made shoe. And looking back up at the farmer, he said, You see, sir, I don't run too well myself. And he will need someone who understands. And folks, that's a little old doggy story, but I want to tell you something, folks. God knew you needed someone who understood. And he that knew no sin became sin for you. The light walked into the darkness. Folks, if we're going to have Christ-like light, we need to have a sacrificial. We need to be a sacrificial like the Savior. It'll cost you to shine. You'll have to go where it's not comfortable. You'll have to get up earlier. You'll have to stay later. You'll have to keep going and get hurt by people rejecting you and letting you down. That's the greatest hurt. And so you need to be a Christ-like light. You need to be a sympathetic, empathetic God. I mean, you need to understand these folks. They don't need to be, you don't need to just uh, think they're just mean. No, they're probably just hurt. And that's why they're mean. You need to be a sacrificial light. You need to be a seeking light. You need to go where they're at. And then you need to be concerned. You need to be concerned. I was concerned about that little boy. And he came up to me with tears and said, my parents said they had something else to do today. You know what he was saying? I'm hurt. I'm really hurt. I feel rejected. You know, the only thing I could do is give him a big old bear hug and say, hey, we love you. We need to be the light. We need to be a consecrated light, a consecrated vessel. Folks, we need to be a vessel that makes a difference in this dark world. And that's exactly what you that's in the bus ministry and all the ministries of this church do. You want to have warmth, just give out the light. You want to feel love? Just love someone else. You won't feel like somebody. 
Just be somebody to somebody that thinks there's nobody that cares. Just be a nobody telling everybody about somebody that can save anybody. That's what a light is. A light does not exist to call attention to itself. Oh, what a great Christian you are. Some people live for that accolade. No, what you need to pray is that they say, oh, get what a great God you serve. The light always reflects the light. I close with this. Woodward, Woodward Wilson told the story of being in a barber shop one time. He was sitting in the barber's chair when I became aware that a powerful personality had entered the room. A man had come quietly in upon the same errand as myself to have his hair cut, and he sat in the chair next to me. Now listen, the president, future president of the United States said this, every word the man uttered, though it was not in the least didactic, showed a personal interest in the man who was serving him. And before I got through with what was being done to me, I was aware I had attended an evangelistic service because Mr. D.L. Moody was in that chair. I purposely lingered in the room after he had left and noted the singular effect that his visit had brought upon the whole barbershop, everyone in it. They talked in undertones and they did not know his name, but they knew something had elevated their thoughts. And I felt that I left the place as I should have left a place of worship. Why? Because one man sat in a barber chair that had the light. He wasn't criticizing or gossiping. He was just concerned about the needs of the first person that was cutting his hair. And then he was lifting up Jesus as he answered. Maybe God's spoken to you tonight about your testimony. Maybe God's spoken to you about the light that you manifest or you reflect. Could you be doing better? Could you yield more? I want to tell you something, friend. To this day, I remember Mr. Lawrence, Billy Manning, Billy Kelly, my Sunday school teachers when I was a junior boy the years before I got saved. And I remember the time they spent with me. I remember the church socials I went on with them. We'd all climb in, a, it was a little church, we'd all climb in their car. I'll never forget one time we played that red light game and all the class got out and ran around the car in the middle of the intersection. And I thought he was going to kill us. And I thought we was going to get killed. That's a very dumb thing to do. That was back in the 60s when you were crazy. And I remember his composure. I remember his love. I remember the time that he'd spend. I remember he was a Georgia Tech student. And I thought, my goodness, why does he have any time for a son of a dog? Why does he have any time? to take time to call me every week and come visit me? Why, why does he have so much time for somebody that's so insignificant as I am that he would teach such a good lesson and he would do it with love and he'd do it with joy and he'd do it with enthusiasm and then he'd really care if I got the message. Why would he do that? But I know one thing. More than I remember Billy Kelly and Billy Manning and Mr. Lawrence and Luther Nance, who took me soul winning, I remember that there were a light of God's love in my life. When I had a very dark home, 
and a very dismal home and a very disappointing home and a lot of arguing and a lot of fussing and a lot of depression and a lot of bitterness. But when I came to the junior boys class, I had a man, a godly man, that was a light to my soul. And when I walked out, I don't remember what the preacher was preaching. But I remember looking out in the congregation and seeing my three Sunday school teachers and what a light and a love they'd been to my life. And this son of a drunk became the son of the king. Why? Because they reflected the love of God. They reflected a light that brought conviction to my soul. They reflected Christ-like spirit that touched and broke my heart. We're stewards of the light. And the more you give, the more God will give to you to shine. Don't worry about trying to manufacture it. Don't worry about trying to get enough light. Just yield to Him and let Him shine through you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this passage of Scripture very simple message on light. Very simple message. But so demonstrated today through the love of our bus captains and Sunday school teachers and all those that volunteered. Lord, thank you that we can touch and invade some dark situations in this world. God, help us to be a light on the job. And most important of all, Lord, help us be a light as we go home. Lord, it's all right to laugh. It's all right to smile. It's all right to have the joy of the Lord upon our soul when nobody's around except our mate, our children. It's all right. It's your plan because, Lord, your light makes a difference. So, Lord, help us to have Holy Ghost conviction that the light brings. But, God, help us to have Holy Ghost compassion that the light rings through our lives as we yield to you. God, help us. God, help us to never lose the wonder of being saved, the, the beautiful relationship that we have with you. But God, help us not to keep it to ourselves. God, don't let us hinder the light. Don't let us halt the light. God, help, let it flow. Let it flow.